This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one in the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Paris, in France, at the legendary Plaza Athenee Hotel, taking your calls at 888-887-3837. That's 888-88-PETER. And if you can't get through on those phones, not a problem. You email me to peter at petergreenberg.com with your name, phone number, question or problem, and we will solve it right here on the air. You can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Peter S. Greenberg, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Peter Greenberg. As I've said earlier on the show, my memories are so distinct from my very first trip to Paris when I was 12 years old with my parents. Um, I remember going across the ocean on a Pan Am 707, circling over Orly, landing, and the next thing I know, I was at the Louvre. I was at the Eiffel Tower. I was at Notre Dame. I was on the Seine. I did all those touristic things, but I, I was in Montmartre. I mean, I remember everything as if it were yesterday, and boy, do I wish it were yesterday. And yet, in many cases, I, I don't wish it was yesterday because I'm now really in a, in a position to appreciate it even so much more. And yet, we've all seen what's happened in France over the last two years, where, whether it goes back to Charlie Hedbo or, the, or the, uh, the shooting at the nightclub, what happened last July in Nice, all horrific, horrendous events. And then other terrorist activities in the region, in, in Belgium, and then other places that, that reinforce the worst four-letter word that starts with F, fear. And what's the, uh, what's the fallout from that? Well, a substantial drop in tourism. The, the bounce back hasn't been that fast, even though I like to think of us all as being more resilient about realizing that this is the way the world is now and it shouldn't stop us from traveling. We need to send a message. And yet, if you look around Paris right now, it's not full. It's, it's, uh, it's actually quite quiet. Uh, and yet there's just, there are more restaurants than ever. There are more hotels than ever. It's sort of like the, this disconnect. And, what, and then couple that with the fallout from Brexit. Couple that with the power of the U.S. dollar against foreign currencies like the British pound or the euro. There's probably never been a better time to travel to Paris. And joining me now, someone who knows a little bit about it. He's the, uh, the vice president of the Ile-de-France region. And his name is Othman Nasru. How are you, sir? Hi, Peter. Thanks for your invitation. You heard my introduction. Um, and it's really true, isn't it? I mean, the tourists are not back. 
Well, uh, we have, of course, a drop uh, in the number of tourists coming here in the Paris region. For We have a, a million tourists less this year, but we are that's still... That's substantial. That's substantial, of course. We have some difficult times, uh, especially for travel agencies, restaurants, hotels. Of course, uh, that's the, the issue since uh, in the wake of the terrorist strikes. But however, we are still welcoming almost 80 million tourists in France. Uh, we are the first destination in the well, world. Well, it still represents the number one destination of choice for Americans. Fortunately, and as you said, I think somehow France uh, deserves it. That does not mean that we don't have some uh, improvements to make uh, in the welcoming, etc. But I think that uh, we can still have here in, in the Paris region safe and great experiences when it comes to tourism. Now explain the Ile-de-France region. Well, the Ile-de-France region is in fact the Paris region with the city of Paris and the suburban areas. It's 12, 12 million inhabitants. So you have Paris, but also Versailles, uh, Orly, uh, Roissy, uh, Fontainebleau, Disneyland Paris. Euro Disney. You had to throw in Euro Disney. The okay. whole region, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> you know a place I really like, and it's probably outside your region, but it's a medieval village called Troyes. Yes, Troyes is absolutely Amazing. great. But we have a medieval city also here in the Paris region, which is Provence, which is also great and should be known even better. Uh, okay, now I, now I have a question for you. Have you been underneath on the catacombs? Have you gone down yet? Uh, well, to, uh, I have to be honest, no, never. <laughs> uh, well, it, it may be from fear, but I think <laughs> I was told that it was really great. So maybe next uh, next time I'll have some you know spare what, time. You know what else is really great? And when somebody suggested to me, I said, are you crazy? I'm not doing that. Well, I did it. I actually took a tour of the sewer system of Paris. It's a very cool tour. And by the way, it doesn't smell. No, really, no. That I think uh, everything has been done to be to be really uh, good to to, yeah. to visit it. But there's so much to do on the surface, if I may say so. Uh, yes, on the I, ground, I, I so. had to throw that in there. <laughs> I know. But the point is, there are so many things that are not part of the iconic approach to Paris that are just as valuable. Yeah, you're perfectly right, Peter. We know ev everyone knows Paris for, of course, wine, cheese, Eiffel Tower, etc. But there are lots. There's a lot more of uh, new experiences, uh, like green tourism that we are not famous for, but we have a lot to do in Paris for it. Gastronomy, of course, but not only. We have a wide range of uh, of great experiences. Uh, tourists uh, can come and uh, come again to to renew their experiences as exactly as as you do. Well, we just had the one year anniversary of the terrible shooting at the nightclub. They reopened, Sting performed. Um, what are you doing to let the world know that it's okay to come back? Well, first, uh, with your presence here, I think it's also a, a testimony for that. Everyone can come and see that it's perfectly safe to travel here uh, to Paris. Uh, but we are also um, having some strong measures, uh, especially on day-to-day -day security. The Paris region is... I mean, officially, it's still a state of emergency. It is still a state of emergency. And that, and that creates another problem because once you have a state of emergency, that means that tour operators may not be insured. And if they're not insured, then they can't really do business. I mean, so if you're going to come here, you have to be somewhat more bold, if you will, and say, I don't need to take an organized tour. I'm just going to go and have a great time. You're, you are perfectly right, because this term of uh, state of emergency is confusing. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean that civil war here. It does, it's, it's, does only mean that the police forces have more power. It's only, only that. So we have maybe to change this word and call it state of high security, maybe, as we have in other countries. But the word state of emergency it sends a, another it sounds message terrifying, yeah. wh while everything is quiet now here in Paris for, for, for a year. And what happened here could have happened everywhere. Well, it had 
happened uh, in in London, in Mad- in Madrid, in Brussels. So we are not here. Uh, I mean, unsafe comparing to other countries. I guess the bottom line is, and I say this, and it's going to come across as politically incorrect, but it's not. The best time to go anywhere is after a civil disturbance or an act of terrorism or a natural disaster or a perceived endemic. Because, first of all, in countries that welcome tourists and and are economically dependent on tourism, they will be thrilled to see you. You will have a great time. You will not be standing in line. You'll have a great deal. You'll have a better experience, and you'll own it. And with exceedingly few exceptions, maybe Fukushima being one, because you want to wait till that Geiger counter gets reset. Other than that, you can't keep me away from places like this, especially after that incident at the nightclub or the incident in Nice, because I think it's incumbent upon smart travelers to make a statement that you're not going to be affected by that, because that's exactly what they want you to be. Toto? We're not in Kansas My next guest, in the interest of full disclosure, I've known way too long. (laughs) Um, Since the 70s, actually, when we both worked at Newsweek magazine. We were both... uh, uh, Very young. Oh, so young. We were in diapers, I believe, um, covering stories that most of you, if you admit that you remember them, then you're as old as we are. Uh, Stories like Gary Gilmore and... And, 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 of course, Watergate. And, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And then she graduated from, uh, from Newsweek, as I did, and went on to, to be a great writer for the New York Times, living right here in Paris. She's written a number of books. Her most recent book, which we've talked about on the, on, on the air before and bears repeating again, is The Only Street in Paris and uh, Life on the Rue de Martyr. And we'll, we'll talk about that with our good pal, Elaine Chilino. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Peter. So first, before we get to the book, because here we are, uh, it's, it's November of 2016. It's essentially one year after the terrible incident at the nightclub in which so many people were slaughtered. Uh, it's five months after uh, the terrible incident on July 14th in Nice. Um, tourism is down in France. It, it hasn't rebounded in, in, in as fast as I thought it might. And yet, uh, here I am, not feeling unsafe, having a great time talking with you. Uh, but you're an American. You live here. What, do, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? Oh, Paris is safe. Uh, Paris is no less safe than walking around any American city and running into uh, someone who's got a submachine gun behind a street corner. Uh, the challenge Except is, I didn't see any submachine guns today. I saw some on the way here, but they were being held uh, uh, by the held police, by the by the um, Green Beret uh, uh, paramilitary guys. Right. Yes. So I mean, you you do see a show of force, and in fact, uh, there's still an official state of emergency here. Yes, there's the perception and there's the reality. I mean, what happened, uh, if you want to recap, is that uh, after the first terrorist attacks in January 15, uh, 2015. Uh, there was a, a, a an immediate reaction, but everyone thought it would get better because those attacks were targeted against specific 
uh, uh, political and religious. That was that was charts. Charlie. That was Charlie Hebdo. Yes, a, a satirical magazine. newspaper yeah. magazine and a, a Jewish supermarket. And so everyone thought, okay, fine, it'll be back to normal. Then what happened is um, January, November, uh, November uh, 2015. Uh, 2015. You have an attack against a way of life. You have an attack against a concert hall. You have an attack against a, a soccer a, a, a stadium uh, that thankfully the uh, attackers did not uh, wreck as much uh, uh, blood and destruction uh, that they, they could have. Um, you had attacks against bistros and bars. So it was in a, on a Friday night. And a nightclub. And a nightclub, yes. Well, the, the concert hall right. nightclub. And, um, and that universalized the fear that anybody coming to Paris to just have a good time sitting out on the terrace of a bistro, going to a concert, going to a, a, a soccer match, uh, can be targeted. Then what happened in 2016, it, it couldn't be worse. It was both nature and and uh, uh, human intervention. You had massive floods in, in, in Paris in January of 2016, which, which completely uh, paralyzed uh, Paris. In the spring, you had massive strikes. And I can remember going, um, trying to go from one place to another past Anvalide and suddenly getting caught in a tear gas attack. And you think, oh my gosh, you know, I haven't yeah, is this is this Paris 1968? I couldn't get from uh, either on foot or through the metro to 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 my destination. And luckily, I was meeting an old friend who was an uh, an, an ex war correspondent, so he didn't mind that I was an hour late for our cocktail. Uh, but so you had had strikes plus tear gas. As you said, you've got this ongoing state of emergency, national state of emergency, which means that a lot of American Japanese insurers do not insure travelers to come to Paris. Um, July 14th, you had the attack in Nice, which again means Paris, uh, France is under attack. And now the latest iteration of it is that you have uh, an immigration uh, influx. I don't want to call it a crisis, but you've, you've had to move immigrants into Paris and you have photographs of immigrants, refugees, homeless in Paris, uh, greater Paris, uh, they may not be at the Plaza Atene where we are sitting right now, but the images, the photographs of uh, uh, homeless people yep. in tents. I'm going to show you this picture. Your, your oh, yeah. listeners can't can't uh, can see, see it, it but yep. here it is. This says Paris today. You know, lots of people in tents uh, inside Paris, and that has had a chilling effect. And people are saying, you know what? We go to Paris. Because we want to live Paris, breathe Paris, enjoy Paris. And, and if we're not going to feel 100% comfortable, why not go to Rome or Madrid? All right. Now, having said what you said, the interpretation that I have is, on one hand, there's never been a dull moment in two years. Um, but then that I can also say on a positive side, there's never been a dull moment. So you're still here. You haven't left. Well, we've just had a presidential election in my country, and I have to say that um, you know Paris seems pretty uh, stable. Uh, but we're going to have a presidential <laughs> election here uh, in uh, in uh, 2017. So who knows what's going to happen? So you're staying. We're staying. Yes, we're staying. I'm writing a new book, uh, and uh, it's France related. And uh, and yes. Well, we'll and everybody who wants to come to the Rue des Martyrs, I'll take you on the tour of my neighborhood, which is safe and wonderful. And the the, the commerçants, the merchants and the people who live there will welcome you, invite you. Well, I want to talk about the book in a second, but let's talk about the friends that you have in the States. Are, you know, when these incidents happen, what are you hearing from them? 
Or what are you telling them? You know, you say your friends in the States. There are friends and there are friends. I mean, my kids are coming here for Christmas. One of my kids is here now. They, my, my family doesn't feel afraid and my best friends don't feel afraid. But there is a sort of malaise. There's this sort of feeling of unease. Again, it doesn't have to do with anything specific that, oh, we're going to turn around the corner and there's going to be a terrorist attack. It's more like, do I want to go to a place where when I go into a, into, um, a supermarket or a theater or the Plantin or Gallery Lafayette, I have to open up my bag. Do I want to literally bump into teams of um, armed, uh, you know, army, big heavy army guys with with, with uh, their vests on and their submachine guns bumping into them on the street because they go in, in teams of four and, and, and six. So it's a, it's a perception. It's a feeling like, am I going to relax if I go to Paris? Well, you see this, but you haven't left, which means you've adjusted. Yes, but I'm an ex-war correspondent. You know, I mean, I've I've done Lebanon, Iran, Iraq, uh, you know, uh, Syria. You know, I've been locked in a room by the late Muammar Gaddafi and put in prison in Damascus. So, you know, I have maybe a different to- tolerance level for this kind of thing. And now you're being held against your will on a radio show at the Plaza at Atene. At the Plaza Atene. It's oh, my nice God. Here. Yeah, exactly. I like all the gold in well, this we'll, room. We'll try to negotiate your release in about a year, okay? <laughs> But seriously, when when you talk to your friends who aren't the war correspondents, and you're talking to a number of people who probably read your articles when you're listening, when you're talking on this show, what are you telling them? Look, none of my friends are afraid to come to Paris to visit. But I can tell you, having been on vacation in the States in the summer, that there were a lot of people who said at you know, dinner parties or cocktails or whatever, you know, I don't think I'm going to Paris. First of all, my company won't let me go to Paris because, because of the insurance. My, because of my insurance. And secondly, if I want to go on vacation, why do I want to go someplace where I'm just going to feel a little uneasy sitting in a bistro having a cocktail? If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. My next guest is the concierge here at the Plaza Athene, Laurent Poncelet. How are you, sir? Fine, thank you. And nice to see you again. (laughs) Nice to see you, too. Yeah. I mean, you heard my introduction. I mean, sophisticated guests and unsophisticated guests will ask you for some pretty incredible things. Which is correct. Yeah, yeah. You have like either like the I would say the common things, which are the restaurants, theaters, opera tickets, as you have mentioned, and also some craziness that that is part of something that is like unique, and stuff that you know you better you have to know a guy who knows another guy who knows a third guy to get. Correct. Right. So, and and sometimes and and these are surprising demands. I mean, it's not it's. It, it's like one of a kind things. Yes, for for the short story, the last time we were talking about the baby lion, if I remember. Oh my God! And I remember that was the one in the room. In the you room. wanted the ra- the last time we talked about this, somebody wanted a baby lion in the room. There were two two baby lions for a birthday. Wait, a, and you got it? We do, we did. Yeah, yeah. She was very happy, and she still still talk about it. <laughs> the lions are older now. Yes, a little, <laughs> and uh, yeah, bigger also. <laughs> So they're no longer babies. No longer anymore. But we did have like another one for. Just, oh, you, had, you had a backup. You had a backup baby. No, it's like something different that happened like uh, a while ago. So what? we did have like a customer who came and passed the door and said, "You know, I like uh, truffles." 
white truffles. Well, that's not unusual. Yeah, the only thing is like, I want to go to Alba. So truffles oh, Napoleon's, Alba, Napoleon's place? In Italy. So we, have, uh, we were like uh, dealing with the pilot to have like the slot to take off because he has his private jet in the, the Bourget. So finally we got the time for the slot. So he actually flew his own jet mm-hmm. to Alba. Yeah, but before that we have to find uh, the person over there. We did, but we, have, we did have to negotiate the rate because he wanted to buy one kilo. One so, kilo of white truffle. Okay, can I ask a question? You, you know where I'm going. I, I know. How much? Uh, you mean how many numbers? Yeah. <laughs> how much was it? How much was two kilos of, of black truffle? Or white truffle, too? White truffle. One kilo was, there were five numbers. And we tried to negotiate. It's an important guess, you know, is, is Frank just only for that for one kilo? So can you do something? And he went down a little bit of, we finished. We ended up with four numbers, but it was still very high. But he was happy because the rate was okay. And he, smore, and he spent more than that in fuel just getting there. Uh, just about I know, more or less, yeah, but, more he, less. but he came back at 6pm because I was also walking and he came back in with the bag and said hey I got it <laughs> and we were like can I smell <laughs> well in case someone's staying at the Plaza Athene who doesn't have a need for white truffles from Elba there are other things you can you can magically do yeah but you have like just the, the simple mushrooms that are just like to buy <laughs> at the shop itself and it can be just like Easy as we can, you, we usually ask like for every day. The common task is like a restaurant, what to do if the museum is open, if we can get tickets for exhibits, etc. etc. And sometimes going to a museum after hours or may, maybe you know, doing it as a very special time. Correct. It can be like also either like for the evening openings as it can be also for like a privacy. Riding along in my automobile. My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. I'm one of those guys who always says, if you want to know what's going on, ask a local, but even better, find an American expat who's living there who might actually know what's going on. And we got lucky. Catherine Down, how are you? She's the, uh, she's the editor of Chow Down. I love it. Chow Down. How long have you lived in Paris? I've lived in Paris for about four years now. So you've seen a lot of the change. You've seen a lot of the, a lot of the tough stuff, too. Yes, absolutely. It's been quite a year the past year. We're I mean, we're, we've just celebrated, if you can, uh, the, the, I don't even use the word celebrate. We just acknowledged the anniversary uh, of, the, of the nightclub shooting. Uh, we, we had uh, Charlie Hedbo, of course, and then last July we had, we had the incident in Nice. I was there when that happened. That oh, was wow. just crazy. Uh, and then we have the worst four-letter word that starts with F when it comes to travel, fear. Yes. You're, but you're living here. What are your friends in America saying to you? Oh, I mean, my friends, my family, you know, my mother um, in particular, after the terrorist attack, she was like, well, you know, clearly it's time to come home. You know, Europe isn't safe. France isn't safe, which for me, coming from Boston, you know, we had the the attacks, you know, at the at marathon. The, at the marathon sure. So, um, you know, I hear a lot about this perception that France in particular isn't safe and that Europe isn't safe. Uh, but I think it feels quite different on the ground when you're here. Um 
I think the French really have a real resilience and a real joie de vivre. And immediately after the attacks, you know, there was a lot of concern, but people wanted to be out in the streets, in the restaurants, on the terraces. That was their show of force. Yes, absolutely. And to show them that, you know, they weren't going to let the terrorists accomplish their goal and that they wanted to, um, you know, continue life as usual. Also, it was a great excuse to eat. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Also that. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to say something that's going to sound so promotional, but it's been my experience since I'm 12 years old coming to France. I have yet to find a bad restaurant. There are bad restaurants to be found. Okay, I haven't. Um, fa- I'm sorry, I haven't found them yet. <laughs> a lot of my job is helping people to avoid those restaurants, <laughs> so I can assure you they do exist. Um, but I think, by and large, we are quite lucky to have the food system here that we have. And every time I come to Paris, I discover a new one. Yes. Right. Definitely. The last time I was here, I fell in love with this one place, uh, and maybe you don't know it, maybe you do. But I mean, it's an Asian chef, but it's French cuisine. Yeah. And and uh, I was going back every night. It was crazy. Oh, it's called La Hyde. Oh, I don't know it. I, I gotcha. Excellent. Well, thank All right. You. you know what they have there? The most. Am- yeah. I should, oh, it's so politically incorrect to say this, but they have the most amazing foie gras. Oh, wonderful. I mean, but it's done in such a different way. Well, it's not politically incorrect here. I can. Yeah, we know you, that. So. By the way, not only is it not politically incorrect here, if you go to Le Bon Marché, yes, they don't have a foie gras counter. They have a foie gras corner of the store it's a oh, section it's unbelievable aisle. it's foie gras season right now actually which, why did you have to say that who knew foie gras had why, seasons why you but you, you came at the perfect time for it so right now in particular is a fantastic time to be traveling for france um, not only because you can get incredible deals right. but gastronomically this is the season for black truffles uh shellfish like oysters um you get incredible winter cheeses and foie gras Now, you said something here that most people don't understand. Winter cheeses. Explain that. Yes. So we have cheese seasons here. uh, I just found out we had a foie gras season. Foie gras season. There's oyster season. The French really have uh, respect for seasonality built into their culture. And uh, right now it's a time for sort of warm, melty cheese and potato dishes. Um, So we're seeing a change in the supermarkets and the cheese shops where you see raclette, fondue, tartiflette, which is potatoes, bacon, onions, and stinky melted cheese all mixed together. By the way, the creamier, the stinkier the cheese, count me in. You're in the right country. Oh, you bet. (laughs) But this is a lot of of these cheeses you can't get in the U.S. No, that's true. A lot of them are actually illegal, unfortunately, because of pasteurization laws. Oh, I love illegal cheese. (laughs) (laughs) It tastes better when it's illicit. The minute they tell you it's illegal, I want more. Yes, exactly. Um, So because in the U.S., the law is if a cheese is 60 days or younger, it has to be pasteurized. Most of the cheeses that we have widely available here are simply not available. Even if you spend a lot of money at a high-end cheese shop, it's just not legally possible. Wow. And the stinkiest, creamiest cheese that you love is? Oh, well, right now I love Vacherin Monteur, which is um, a cheese that's washed rind and it's wrapped in spruce bark. So it's kind of woodsy and stinky and you heat it up in the oven and it you, becomes... You heat it up? You do. You stick is it a like clove. a baked brie or? It's almost like a baked brie and you stick a clove of garlic in and a little bit of white wine on top and it becomes this instant cheese fondue. Oh my God. Gar- the only thing missing was black truffle. You could put some truffle there in there you if go. you okay. wanted. I had to, okay. I had to ask. <laughs> I won't hold you back. So. Okay, so as an American expat here, you've lived here four years. Yes. You heard me give you a restaurant you didn't know. Yes. Give me a restaurant I don't know. Um, I think right now, one of the ones that I'm excited about is Chez Lavier, which just opened up from Chef Daniel Rose. And he's actually an American. Um, and he's made quite a splash in New York this past year, opening Le Cuckoo. Just got three stars from the New York Times. 
Um, but he started off here in Paris, and he has a real love affair with French cuisine. And he's trying to sort of... And, and the French have accepted it. And the French have actually accepted it. And he's really trying to take it back to its roots. Because young French chefs right now, they're focusing on American food and Japanese food and lobster rolls, things like that. But um, when you're a traveler coming from elsewhere, when you come here, you want coq au vin, you want fondue, you want these hearty classic dishes. There you go. Keep that going. This is flight 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. My name is David, and I'm here to tell you that. Shortly after takeoff, first things first, there's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst. But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler. Alcoholic beverages will be $4. If a monster energy drink is your plan, that'll be $3, and you get the whole can. We won't take your cash. You got to pay with class. And joining me now is someone in the, interest of full, in the interest of full disclosure. I should tell you I've known for over 20 years. Uh, he is now the chief operating officer of the Dorchester Collection but I've known him always as a French hotelier. Uh, Francois Delahaye, how are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you, Peter. You've seen all the changes in Paris. You've seen the ups, you've seen the downs, uh, you've seen the recovery. And some people would argue that in the, in the state of world affairs now, we have an audience that is somewhat more enlightened, somewhat more hardened, and that they look at incidents of, of let's say, terrorism in a different way, and that they're not motivated as much by fear as much as pragmatism, and the bounce back factor tends to be faster now, for, at least for American travelers. And yet, walking along the streets of Paris today, over just over a year after the terrible nightclub incident, it hasn't really come back. I mean, there's still a lot of vacancies here. Yes, it's the succession of, of things which happened. We had Charlie, we had the Bataclan, we had Braxel, we had Nice. And of course, the Kardashian affected us too. Plus, some strike with Air France, strike with Kardashian some... affected you. Of course, yes, because of the the, the the resonance of it. Everybody talked in the world about it. It's happened in an hotel in Paris. Security matters. So yes, we are having a succession of events which are giving a bad uh, test to Paris. And yet, I walk out on the streets and I don't feel unsafe. Paris is as gorgeous as ever. You have, in fact, if you take a look at just the, the, the tourism infrastructure and the development here, you have more five-star hotels than you've ever had. And some of the hotels that were closed for renovation or refurbishing or complete re redo, whether it's the Ritz or the Crayon, or even going back a couple of years ago, even right here at the Plaza Athene. I mean, you're, you guys are back bigger than ever. Absolutely. Uh, we did some huge renovation at the Murray's. So the Plaza Athene had been closed for one year for a big extension. We purchased the building on the, each side of the historical a building. So lots of investment have been done in our company, the Dorchester Collection, but not only also, But not just you, every other Everywhere, hotel. everywhere. You see all kind of brands are opening hotels in Paris because Paris is having so much to offer. I think Paris is absolutely the most beautiful city in the world. Uh, we are having so many events, so many things happening, exposition, museum, new restaurants opening. There is lots of things happening in Paris, which it's very sad because we have so much to offer. The hospitality level, the quality of the hotels are so outstanding that it's a pity to have that downturn of the economy. But on the other hand, I can understand the people who are a little afraid to bring their kids within the, within the city, within the capital of France. I mean, from a purely economic perspective, it's got to be a win-win for most travelers, considering the fact that the U.S. dollar 
for the first time in recent memory is 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 king uh, against the euro and the British pound and other foreign currencies. So it's it's a good buyer's market. And I'm not just talking about hotel rates because your hotel is is an expensive hotel, but but basic goods and services, the cost of a taxi ride or a night out on dinner or or a tube of toothpaste. What the what the Parisians have to buy relative to their buying power versus your buying power as an American, you win. And also the People are talking. I'm speaking English now. Taxi driver. No. <laughs> oh yes, taxi driver, uh, uh, waiter in the cafe. Everybody do speak English now. A uh, lot of efforts have been done on that for the past 25 years, and now the city is ready. We are having that beautiful city with an outstanding service. The level of food is the best in the world. So no, we are ready. Whenever you are ready. Well, the question is, when are we going to be ready? What does it take to get people to bounce back? We just had the reopening of the Paris nightclub. In fact, Sting performed, um, you know, a celebration, if you will, basically announcing to the world, we're back, we're stronger, we're going to make it happen. But now let me ask the, the question that really is the elephant in the room, and that is, what is the French government doing in terms of security, in terms of the borders, in terms of sharing information about who's coming into the country, which was really your problem before because those cells were not French cells, those, are, those cells were from Belgium. Well, it's a difficult question on the radio to answer, and I think I'm not the right guy to answer instead of the politic, but I really do believe that the, politic, uh, the, the politician in Paris did wake up and did realize how important not to lose our leadership on tourism in the world. We are still number one right now. Everybody wants to take a part of it. Even America wants to become the number one destination of tourism. Mr. Obama stated that in Orlando three years ago. So I really do believe that the French politician realized it, but it was not their priority. I think their priority was also to tackle the terrorism. And I think the right action, but it's going to take times. This is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. Get your motor running. Head out on the highway. Looking for adventure. And whatever comes our way. I first met uh, Francois right here in Paris, uh, oh God, 20 years ago, before he even came to the, uh, to the Plaza Athenee. So uh, he's got some historical perspective on this. When we were just last talking, Francois, we were talking about the fact that there are more restaurants opening now, there are more clubs opening, there are more hotels opening. So it's really a buyer's market for anybody wanting to visit, especially if you're looking for a quality experience. Absolutely, yes. All the hotels in Paris have been investing a lot. Lots of renovation did happen. Also, some new restaurants, some new concepts did happen to open in Paris. So, yes, Paris is having a lot to offer. I mean, one of the, one of the restaurants that you have here, of course, uh, in this hotel is a legendary restaurant run by a legendary chef. I first had a meal with him in, in Monaco um, at the Hotel de Paris. Uh, and he is it's, it's just an amazing chef, uh, and everything he touches seems to exceed the last restaurant. You have a new concept here in this hotel, and of course the, the chef I'm speaking about is Alain Ducasse. Yes, Alain Ducasse had a concept at the Plaza Athénée before the renovation, before we closed for the extension, and we moved that concept, which was the cuisine of the province, to the Maurice, and we had the three-star who moved to the Maurice, the three-star Michelin Guide restaurants. 
And then we thought with Alain Ducasse, and Alain Ducasse came up with that idea of naturalité. Naturalité means really to focus on the fish, the vegetables, and the cereal. In order the to, grains. The, the grains, grains, the grains, yes. In order to make sure that your health is really taken care of. And it's, uh, very, it's less sugar, less grease, less uh, salt, less anything which is not good for your body. And we wanted to have the best fish restaurants, and that's why we created that concept. And we uh, also put that outstanding cabinet of curiosity at the end, which is like my grandmother uh, wardrobe, with all those items liaised with the uh, cuisine and with the flatware, silverware, crockery. It's all of that, and that was a gift from all those museums of the biggest... Uh, Art de la Table are like Boucheron, uh, like uh, Bernardo, Christophe, uh, all those brands which represent the tables and the best of what the tables, and it's, a, it's on display in the restaurants. Now, you're speaking of tables, one of his trademarks, which you don't find in very many restaurants anywhere in the world, and it's one of the things I get angry about at other restaurants. Uh, I call them the terrible twos. You know, you go to a restaurant and you're sitting at a small little table for two, six inches away from another couple that are sitting there and you're like rubbing elbows and nobody has a private conversation. No one has any space. And you're paying for this privilege of what? Listening to other, somebody else's conversation at his restaurant in Monte Carlo or Monaco at the Hotel de Paris, his restaurant here. I mean, basically, the next table is in another country. I mean, I mean you have so much space. It's like you're in your own private dining room. First definition, Peter, of luxury, it's space. You must not listen to what the next uh, client is having to say to his girlfriend or wife or whatever. You Especially if his wife is at the other table and he's talking to his girlfriend. But I, <laughs> for, I digress. Yes. I know, it's Paris. Sorry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's important to have space. So I think, yes, to have a room of 180 square meters for 40 or 50 covers, this is what we show and we call luxury. And it is. And, and not only that, he's keeping it simple. No tablecloths. Yes. But unbelievable service. I mean, the actual guest-to-waiter to ratio is unheard of. I mean, it's, it's like three or four to one. Well, not exactly. We are having for uh, fifth, maximum 50 covers in the restaurant. We have 25 cooks and we have 22 waiters. That's huge. So that's one for one, yes. That, that's, that's, it's pretty big. It's, it's pretty big. Well, the bottom line is save your money. It's not inexpensive, but the value and the experience is worth it. And don't rush. This is not a place where you, this is not fast food. You go in there and you take your time, you think, you enjoy, you converse in private, and you eat very well. Francois Delahaye. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Tower radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Hey, joining me now is probably one of the most important people at this hotel because he's the director at the bar. This man is Mr. Drinks. And uh, <laughs> Thierry Hernandez, how are you, sir? Very, very good. You know, you've been around on, at this hotel, what, since 2001 and before the renovation. Yeah. So you saw the old bar 
And now I'm looking at the new bar, which is which is an amazing piece of architecture, mm-hmm. right? But the thing that blew me away when when you reopened is when I ordered a pina colada. How how is it served? Well, uh, you know we have a special uh, pina colada uh, served like a sushi pina colada, you know. So uh, it's uh, like marshmallow with rum and a slice of uh, fresh pineapple that you dip in the coconut uh, juice reduction. So it's a special drink. And it takes some time to prepare. Oh, yes, oh, yes. What's your, what's your most complicated drink here? I think this one is okay, but the, the other one is uh, it's called the, the, the fashion ice, you know. It's, it's a cocktail, but like a lollipop, you know. So uh, to freeze the alcohol, it's very difficult. So that's the one who takes me... Uh, and when, you, time. and when you go to the bar, you're actually ordering on your tablet, too. Yes. Yeah. So there's high tech involved. Exactly. Exactly. It's really uh, different than the other five stars hotel bar, you know. At the Plaza Athena, it's, it's a combination between uh, modern and historical and uh, for the drinks, for the furniture, but also for the ambience that we have at the, at the bar because we work with some, uh, some guys from... Uh, New York City uh, nightlife, so they, yeah, so they bring us some, some uh, good energy, you know. But you don't forget the classics. So I guess no. the question is, what is your most popular classic cocktail? Well, uh, I, I can say, you know, the, the Morito is very, very famous. The, the Cosmopolitan is very famous. But I, I would say today uh, we have one special Morito called Black Morito. Uh, made with a fresh uh, uh, blackberry, with a special uh, black vodka from England, and uh, this is really, really what famous. Is, what is black vodka? It's a, it's a special vodka from England, you know, uh, with the, the name of this vodka called Blavod, and uh, the, 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 the color is dark, but like black, you know, so interesting. And it's made in England? Yes. Who knew the English were making vodka? I thought it was just all the Russians <laughs> and the Polish. No, you know, vodka can make it uh, all over the world, you know. Like gin. Like uh, gin, and uh, and I think one of my favorite vodka, of course, is the Grey Goose, you know, the from, made from cognac, you know. Ah. <laughs> and what is the drink that most people are ordering right now? Well, no, like I told you, the, the Black, uh, Black Morito is one of our best uh, sellers. And also the, the Rose Royale, it's a, it's a cocktail made with fresh raspberry puree, turned up with champagne, but inside the, the fresh raspberry puree, we have uh, some secret ingredients. <laughs> well, you mentioned champagne, so I, I, I can't ignore that. Uh, most people, most Americans, don't really understand all the nuance of champagne. So they come into the bar and they go, I'd like a champagne. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really help you a lot. No, but it's interesting for us to explain to our American guests uh, what's the difference between the, the, the champagne and how it's good to drink it, not too cold, etc. It's really interesting for us to do that. And, of course, I'm a huge fan of the rosé. Yes. So it's, you get me in there with a, uh, with a uh, Cristal Christ- or, or a Krug. Krug, but I love also uh, Laurent Perrier Rosé. Laurent Perrier is, for me, I've actually spent time with that family. Unbelievable. Really? Unbelievable. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world.
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.